0: What's up? What's up, bitches? Welcome back to another week of the Positively Uncensored podcast. Just in case you're new here, I'm the host, Leah, and this is a reality TV and interview podcast, but I also like to just talk about all of the shows that I'm watching. I like to talk about the feelings that I'm feeling. I like to talk about everything. So I don't like to just put myself in one box. Sometimes I like to talk about my reality shows. Sometimes I like to talk about other stuff. If you all want to hear me talk about it, chances are I'm going to. Today's episode is not going to be a reality episode. I'm actually going to dive deep into this Love and Death series that's been on HBO. I'm going to compare it to the Candy series that I watched on Hulu. And I'm going to give you guys the main comparisons. I'm going to give you the background of the story. I'm going to tell you the things that you need to know about the case. Now, if you're listening to this and you're like, Leah, I haven't watched Love and Death yet then go do that. Um, If you're a person that likes to be completely surprised, then I guess watch the series. I will say it's a docu-series, so um, this is telling a true story. So it's not something that is just going to be completely surprising. It's not like the latest horror film. This has been in the news before. It's a story from the late 60s, early 70s. So In that element, nothing will be surprising because you may have heard details as you're listening to the story. So if you just want some context and you're okay with having it a little bit spoiled for yourself, keep listening and we will dive into it. Quick plug before we get into things. If you're not already following the podcast on TikTok, you should be. It's at Positively Uncensored, the same as it is on Instagram. It's where I'm pretty much posting my live recaps, reactions, thoughts on shows, show recommendations. To take it a step further, if you want to support, make sure to follow me on Patreon. I post like full blog posts. I post polls. I post behind the scene videos. So if you just want to see more content that I'm not putting everywhere, sign up for whatever membership is affordable to you. Just know that I'm super grateful for everyone who signed up for my platforms. I send out a handwritten letter. I send out stickers. I'm just excited to connect with all of you. That is truly the purpose of doing this podcast. I'm not paid. You know, I'm not given any compensation. I'm just doing this because I love to connect. I love to talk about my shows. So follow me, leave me a review. Um, I love looking at the reviews and, you know, seeing my numbers go up and interacting with more people. So if you end up listening to this episode and loving it, leave me a review on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Let's get into the stuff. So Hulu series came first. Candy played by Jessica Biel. Um, I believe it was a six or seven part episode series. And then we have HBO series, which came out in 2023, just recently. It just wrapped the last episode on Wednesday. So I'm talking about this after I have seen both versions of the same story, To kind of weigh the differences, I want to start by saying that both of these actresses have some real supportive fan groups. So I am not pinning either actress against each other. Love Jessica Biel, love Elizabeth Olsen. I love the representation that they did of each character. And I think that they each brought something different. Um, I'll start by saying what the case is about before I get into specifics. So in 1969... You can look it up. This is when tons of killings were happening. Um, I mean, the late 60s, early 70s. The amount of murders that are going on is just insane. So this is just another one of those stories. It takes place in Texas in a small, predominantly white religious town. And this is relevant because this whole case really encompasses white privilege It encompasses not wanting to see someone for who they are and the dangers of sharing your mind with your community. And I'm sure I'm not wording that correctly, but what I'm trying to say is when you watch this and you see that she's judged by a jury of her peers, it's no surprise the ending verdict, knowing that they have the same thoughts as she does Etc. It's the same small-minded and, like I said, not wanting to see someone for who they are, but wanting to see someone for who they should be. You know, Candy is small, petite, part of the church, active in the community, Um, a mother, you know societally pretty at the time so she should be a good person you know you look at her and we give her the benefit of the doubt even hearing the horrible things that she does her peers gave her the benefit of the doubt and watching both of these series portrays in different ways how everyone did this and and you can watch it in modern times and just see how misinformed everyone was. You can see the orchestration that was done by her team of lawyers. You can see how heavily things were, you know, fiddled with and planned and plotted to make her seem a certain way to the court. And it also makes you think about cases in general. You know, when you see public cases after watching this, it makes you aware of the fact that the, the 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 team of lawyers who is representing you really talks to your family they talk to you they tell you how you should be acting i mean there's a lot of Scheming, a lot of planning and preparation that goes into a trial. So anyways, this takes place in the late 60s, 1969, in a small town called Wiley, Texas. Candy Montgomery is a wife and active member of the community, like I said. She is going to church, and it's the typical relationship where her husband goes to work, and she is the stay-at-home wife. It seems like in those relationships, a lot of time, the wives ended up feeling unfulfilled, whether it was because there was an unequal distribution of responsibilities um, and it was very much like you cook, you clean, you take care of the kids. I just work, um, you know, and you set everything on the table, you clean it up. I'm not sure if that's what was driving it. I'm not sure if just how we weren't as into our sexual liberation and maybe the sex just wasn't good in marriages i'm sure there were a lot of issues but as happened in a lot of households candy became stagnant and she became a little bit bored in her marriage with her husband in the show they 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 make him seem as if he Is very disinterested in her, especially in HBO's portrayal. So in the Hulu version, the husband is a little bit more attentive. He's a little bit friendlier, a little bit funnier. It's a little bit harder to see how Candy steps out on him. In the HBO version, her husband barely emotes to her, really doesn't check on her. I see no movement of intimacy between them. There's no connection, there's no chemistry, there's barely any physical touch. So in like in the HBO version, you will see a big distinction in her relationship with her husband. From what I've read, HBO is more on point with what actually happened, and I was reading the Texas Journal that this was originally published in all the way back in 1969, and it sounds like the portrayal of the husband especially was pretty on point like I just said with HBO so her husband's not paying her much attention she's doing all of the work she's going to church and she's bored so she ends up going to church and seeing a fellow member of the congregation his name is Alan she ends up seeing Alan Gore and she finds him attractive and in the way that women talk about themselves like I said where they're not sexually liberated she decides to explore an affair and in a very um reasonable way she she gets into his car and she says listen Alan I've been thinking and I would like to have an affair it's just been on my mind you don't have to answer me right now but I'd like you to know she lets Alan know amicably gets out of the car and they split their separate ways so she gives him this revelation that she would like to sleep with him She doesn't want to hurt her husband. And they proceed to have several meetings where they just set the boundaries um, and limitations for this affair. So they don't want to hurt their partners. They don't want to fall in love with one another. They don't want anyone to find out. They don't want to do it in a public space in their own town. So, you know, they have this entire list to make things so unfeeling. Like, it, it's the exact opposite of how an affair takes place now, which is through passion and through this lust and infatuation and last minute decision. This was planned. Like, they took a lot of measures to try to make things work for themselves and for their spouses who they wanted to stay faithful to. Um, and And this is weird, and HBO does a great job of showing that. In Hulu's version, Alan Gore is kind of sexy. You know, they don't pick the ugliest guy in the room. Um, He has a little bit of a suave about himself. I can see how Candy was maybe tempted by him. Not Alan in HBO, which, like I've said, is probably more on point with who Alan was in real life. He had a little bit of a midsection, and... You know, he wasn't suave. He, he was just kind of a barely athletic on this volleyball team that they had at church. Um, he had a wife who, you know, doted on him. And he was just secure. I, I think that Candy may have been attracted to his secureness. He felt fun. Whatever. So Candy and Alan begin to have relations together. They have these lunches together. They're planning to, you know go ahead and start the affair. They set a start date and their plan is to meet up at a hotel outside of the town's limits privately and to have sex. The sex is horrible. It's uncomfortable to watch. You know, when you watch shows and if you're watching to like get a little bit turned on or if you're watching and you get wrapped up in the heated sex or the smut, like if you're a girl listening to this and you like to read smut, this is not that. This is an affair that was set up, like I said, with a lot of measures, a lot of we can't do this. It wasn't built on passion. You know, it was very almost surgical. Like we meet up here. You do this to me. We do that. So I'll bring a lunch. You bring this. It was very pointed. So they set a start date for their affair. They have their boundaries, they start the affair, the sex is horrible, but somehow the two of them, as they are sleeping together, develop some sort of feeling for one another. It seems like Candy wants to back out first. She realizes that she's become a little bit too attached with Alan. She finds herself thinking of Alan, and that was never really the intention. You know, she really just wanted an outlet for her sexuality and to feel a little liberated. So she tries to back out of the affair, and supposedly Alan says, No, you know, this is great. Let's not. And at the time, he wants to stay in it and committed. These viewpoints seem to trade position at some point in the series. At some point, it seems like Alan thinks that they should go ahead and bow out of this relationship that they have, this agreement. And Candy says, no, this is too good. Let's stay in it. So they flip-flop back and forth between their battle with morality, really. Is this okay? Is this not okay? And mind you, in the process... Alan finds out that his wife, Betty Gore, is pregnant. Setting the scene, Hulu does a better job of advocating for Betty Gore, the victim. When I watched Hulu's depiction of this, I think that they really nailed home how Betty was feeling at home while Alan was out so often. She was dealing with depression the same way that Candy was. She was dealing with postpartum. She was dealing with her own insecurities. You know, she was dealing with a new baby um, and potentially even that relationship where you don't love your baby. You know, like you, you have a little bit of feelings of resentment or animosity for all the care that you have to give them. So she was dealing with a lot and Hulu Really shows that. You know, we see the struggle that Candy and Alan faced with each other in HBO's version, but Hulu does a good job of making it more about the victim, Betty Gore, and, you know, what she was dealing with. So, Betty becomes pregnant, supposedly with her second child. You know, she just had a baby pretty recently. The baby was less than a year old. Um, And so, at this point, they make a decision to stop the affair. It seems like some time has passed since they agreed to stop the affair. Alan still goes away on these business meetings. And, you know, it seems like they made a a pretty clean break. It doesn't seem like Betty found out. I do know that there's a big reveal in the Hulu series when Candy's husband finds out that they kind of missed the mark on for HBO's. Maybe that's because they didn't want to focus on the husband as much. They really wanted to keep it about Candy and Alan, but Candy's husband does find out towards the end of the affair, you know, after it just wrapped, that she had been sleeping with Alan. She finds a letter from him in her stash of things, and we see how upset he is and also overcome with guilt. Candy's husband took it as he was not attentive enough with her they didn't have good enough of a sex life um, she tried to be vulnerable with him and he just couldn't do that for her so we see how he processes that information more in the Hulu series and these are the differences between the two you know like I said they really focus on the relationship between Candy and Alan and how this happened and Actually, the Hulu series kind of focuses on the why. It's got all of the elements together. So continuing on, the affair is on pause or on complete stop. Alan is traveling and they have a night where Alyssa, Betty's daughter, who is older than her newborn, I believe she's seven, the same age as Candy's daughter, she goes over after Bible school and is supposed to go to the movies to see the new Star Wars and spend the night at Candy's house. Let's think about how fucked up this is for a second because when we hear this information in present times, Candy was the type of person who went to church, was this person who presented herself as being a Christian woman and loving her husband and loving her friends and her community? And really, she went to church to meet a man. She met her friends at church. She met Betty at church. Um, She was one of Betty's only friends after seeing how ostracized she was in the community because Candy was the popular girl. She was more societally pretty, Um, she was received better for how bubbly and, you know, that, that, that goes even farther. If someone presents themselves a certain way, she's white, she's bubbly, she's pretty, she's small, she's not capable of doing anything. So Betty was ostracized, and Candy's one of her only friends, and she sleeps with her husband. And not even that, but she has a closer relationship with Betty when she's sleeping with her husband. And their children are friends, like Betty's daughter is coming over, and she's that trusted friend who, yeah, you can sleep over at Candy's house, no problem. And she's doing this. And the jury was not able to see that. They were only able to see this facade that was built for her, and this image that her lawyer created for her. And that's it. The... It, it, it's crazy to me. So let's continue. She's sleeping with one of her best friend's husbands. She had just been. Um, their daughter comes over all the time. She's supposed to come over that night after vacation Bible school. And she's supposed to watch Star Wars. During Bible school, Candy decides, let me go ahead and drive over to Betty's. I'm going to get Alyssa swimsuit while the kids are prepping for their afternoon Choir concert. I'm going to hit Target for Father's Day and then I'm going to come back to the church. This is her plan. This is what she goes around and tells all of the mothers who are helping with this vacation Bible school. And she sets out to go to Betty's house. The next details of what happened, and even the beginning details of what happened, is important to say is a story. This is all Candy's story. One person survived this altercation when she arrives at Betty Gore's house and that's Candy Montgomery every single detail that we tell even from the description of the affair which I'm sure there were some details from Alan that was included in this storyline this is mostly told in the perspective of Candy so let's keep that in mind even as we hear the details of the altercation that went on at the house So Candy Montgomery supposedly arrives at Betty Gore's house that afternoon and she is there for the swimsuit. They sit down. They have a little bit of a chat. She lets her know that she's here to get Alyssa's swimsuit. She's got to stop at Target and they are going to see Star Wars that night. Betty, out of the blue, asks Candy, have you been sleeping with my husband? And Candy is thrown off, but she says, yes, I, we, we did, but it was a long time ago and we were very sorry. And so apparently what happens next is that Betty gets up. She says, okay. And then instead of going to get Alyssa's bathing suit, when she re-enters the room, she comes back with an ax. She steps towards Candy and she says, you can't have him. And Candy says, I don't want him. Supposedly, she sets back down the axe, okay? And things are okay for a minute. You know, she, she picked it up. I'm not sure with what intent, maybe to scare her. I, I'm not sure, maybe to intimidate her. But supposedly, she brings the axe into the room. She sets it down. She goes to get the swimsuit for real this time. And when she comes back, she gives Candy peppermints, swimsuit a towel candy is getting ready to leave she is near the door and she puts her hand on Betty who is looking grief stricken and sad and she says I'm so sorry and apparently this angered Betty instead of saying I know and letting candy go she pushes candy and picks back up the axe This then starts this back and forth battle between these two women where Betty has the axe and she is coming for Candy and Candy at this current moment, according to her storytelling, she is not fighting for her life, but wondering what Betty's going to do. Like she, She's not convinced that Betty's going to kill her or use this axe on her, but they are fighting tooth and nail to take control of the axe. Eventually, Betty knocks Candy into the head and creates a significant gash and then hits her in the toe. After these two strikes with the axe, Candy is then convinced that she is going to kill her and they struggle for the axe some more and she gains control. Now, supposedly while Betty is on the ground, she shushes Candy and tries to calm down the situation as her dogs are going frantic, her baby is crying, and Candy's defense team And the route that she goes is that that shush triggered her back to when she was four years old and injured in the hospital screaming. And her mother shushes her and says, how will you look to the waiting room? If I had a record scratch sound, I would use it. This is the basis of the entire case. Candy is triggered by this shh sound that Betty says to her. And then she proceeds to hit Betty with the axe in the head. And then 40 other times she swings the axe at Betty. She dismembers half of her face so that it's putty. She cuts into her limbs. I mean, if, if it's a surface on your body, she destroyed it. She completely emulsulated Betty. And her defense team backs this on the fact that she was triggered from when her mother told her to be quiet while she was experiencing pain. I'm interjecting and not downplaying anybody's trauma. I believe that sounds are trauma or or triggering. I believe that certain instances are triggering this is a case of a white woman using her trauma that I don't want to say it's it's it doesn't matter is so small compared to what people actually go through. She she experienced a shh she wasn't beat. Her mom didn't beat her, nothing happened to her. She was shh when she was in pain and she uses that as ammunition to kill someone 41 times she doesn't even get herself in a position to where she's safe you know she attacks Betty back and then runs and calls the cops she loses it on her even after she has been sleeping with her husband you know she was the one who was fucking her husband while she's pregnant she was the one who was being deceitful to her family and she loses it And slashes her 41 times. And we are told that that is because she has trauma. And she was in sort of like a fugue state triggered from her past. I don't fucking believe it. It's so infuriating. When you watch the series, I think that HBO and Hulu do a great job of making it infuriating. It's suffering to look at Elizabeth Olsen as she plays Candy and you see this woman who tries to act so poised and refined and she is just living in oblivion she refuses to number 1 really even feel bad for what she did number 2 face the reality that her life will never be the same she is a murderer there and and she will never not be seen as that you know throughout this entire series, we see Candy so desperately want things to be normal and want things to be okay, and they aren't. So getting back to the story, 41 times she uses the axe on Betty. After that, the dogs are barking, the baby is crying, she supposedly is overwhelmed with all of the blood that is on her body and in the room, and she attempts to clean it up. She cleans up some of the blood on the floor. She cleans up herself. And then she gets in the shower at Betty's house. She gets in the shower fully clothed and rinses the blood off. That just wouldn't stop because, like I said, she had a big gash on her head and on her foot. So she leaves after she's rinsed herself off. She leaves Betty in the laundry room. She leaves her dogs outside. And she leaves her newborn in the crib with no mother, no food, and screaming in her own feces and urine, and she just leaves the house. After she leaves the house, she goes home to her house, and she gets herself presentable. She gets changed. She changes her shoes. She goes back to church. She tells everybody this long-winded story, tells every single person about how she got to Target, her watch stopped working and she just had to leave right away. She couldn't even get a card. She stopped at Betty's house, um, got the swimsuit, and blah, blah, blah. Okay? So she does tell people that she went to Betty's. She, I went to Betty's, then I went to Target, and blah, blah, blah. Everybody believes her. There's not one person who thinks that she's off. She composes herself after murdering someone in that gruesome of a way. She she shuts that off or whatever. She composes herself and she's at church watching her kids' choir performance. We then see her acting as if everything is normal for dinner. You know, acting as if everything is normal as calls begin to come in because eventually, Alan, who has not heard from his wife, who's always home and always answering the calls when he's on a business meeting, he sends a neighbor across the street and says, you need to look and find Betty because she's not answering the phone and something is wrong. And when he gets there, the baby's covered in feces, as I said, screaming. The dogs are outside and he finds Betty in the state that she's in. So now the police are aware. The town starts talking about it and Candy is getting these calls. It's a small town. So she gets a call from, you know, a church member and then it's a friend telling her about Betty Gore being brutally murdered. Some people were saying a shot. Some people were saying with an ax. She, she hears these calls and she is so surprised, acting like she is to every single person. And this is important because number one, it shows how little grasp of reality Candy has. And number two, her capability to do this First of all, like I said, people want to look at her and assume innocence and assume that she's this great person. She had it in her to swing an ax 41 times into someone's body. That power to keep going that many swings with that much anger was possible by her. It was possible to convince everyone that she was okay that that visit went good and when she left Betty Betty was alive and she had you know Alyssa's swimsuit she was able to convince her husband that things were okay he wasn't able to detect at home that something was severely off she was able to convince her friends when they were you know telling her this news that she hadn't already heard it and much less that she wasn't already there and had done it herself Eventually news gets out fast forwarding that Candy and Alan were having an affair together and they are looking into Candy for this murder. She was the last person at Betty's house. It had to be Candy. The town still was living in disbelief. They couldn't believe that Candy would do something like this. So Candy is on trial for murder, and who does she want to represent her but somebody from her church. So she gets this lawyer who has represented white-collar crime his entire life to represent her for this murder trial. And damn it, somehow he pulls it the fuck off, and I wish he didn't, but the actor that they pick in the HBO series is superb. He does a great job of making you hate the the attorney, of seeing how each step is so calculated down to what she wore, how much weight she lost, how her hair was done, the things she said, the things her husband was coached to say, who they called on to give testimonies, which therapist she went and saw. Everything was calculated, and he did a great job of playing that role and making you hate the person representing her. I also think that the person that they picked to play the opposing counsel who was trying to put Candy away did a great job because, sure, the facts were there, but they weren't coming hard enough in either series for Candy. They should have been a lot more screaming and a lot more getting in trouble with the judge from both parties who so aggressively wanted to see justice prevail. So she's represented by someone from the church. She goes and they go the route of having Candy first say not guilty. In the beginning, she says that she did not do that. That did not happen. And pretty much just absolves herself of guilt. Fast forward to when she's talking to her attorney and she reveals that Betty brought the axe out, and her attorney suggests the two of them going to a therapist and seeing if any trauma from childhood may have triggered this. It's after that that they spin the narrative that Betty was the attacker, the original attacker. And because there's no evidence on the axe to prove or disprove whether or not it was originally in Betty Gore's hands— the courts can't dispute Candy when she says any of this. She, Like I said in the beginning to preface all of this, she's the only living person from this instance. But evidence-wise, they couldn't dispute her. So the narrative that now Betty was the attacker and she came in with the axe and she was the first to swing on Candy, they can't disprove that. And they used that fact to try to make it seem like it was plausible to have such a volatile reaction fueled by both childhood trauma and fueled by not anticipating this to happen and trying to prove that Candy was not a violent individual, that she had never even been in so much as an argument with someone before. So where would this have came from? I think it's clear watching, and I'm biased, but I think it's clear watching where this came from. She is a privileged individual who always has people assume the best of her. She was fucking her friend's husband without him even noticing, I'm sorry, without her even noticing for the longest time and just presuming that her friend was being a good friend to her, that her husband was being loyal to her. Everybody assumes that she's a great person. And in reality, she's conniving and she's convincing and she plays on that to be a terrible person. She's cheating on her husband. She's a murderer. And I think it's significant to note in the series on HBO that when her counsel is speaking to her, he tells her, in all honesty, we're from Texas. They can forgive murder. Murder we can overlook, but we can't overlook Is adultery and you cheating on your husband. So that's the time that we were at in the country. Nothing is more important than all serving faithfulness to your husband and, you know, not cheating on them. And if you murdered someone out of passion, but you were faithful to your husband, well, we can forgive that. So the court's next battle was to have Pat, her husband, go up on the stand and convince everybody that this was his fault that he was not paying Candy enough attention, that she needed an outlet, that he was ignoring her and giving her permission to cheat on him, essentially. That's what the congregation and her panel of jurors really needed to hear in order to let her off the hook. They needed to understand that Candy was just a woman who got caught up in an affair because her husband was not loving her and she got angry and she defended herself and she was still a good person, good active member of the community and this was a one-off thing. Absolutely not. Hulu does a great job at the very end of the series when they're in court and Candy gets not guilty of having Betty Gore who's played by Melanie Litsky, who I love, come into the courtroom and say, that's just your story as Candy is getting not guilty. Like nobody will ever know mine because that's not what happened. And her ghost is there and watching this. And although they didn't use that literal of a interpretation in HBO and show um, Betty Gore watching in disapproval, I think it was very apparent at the end that this was just not how things were supposed to go. If people were paying attention, if people were good people, if the world was like where it was supposed to be at the time, there's not a shot in hell that she would have gotten not guilty. So this story ends not in a happy way. It ends with Candy Montgomery getting not guilty it ends with her and her husband divorcing a year later. It ends with Alan marrying immediately after Betty's death. In the 70s, when women used to support a widowed husband and they brought over cakes and pies and potluck, it's common because I I don't know if anybody else grew up watching a lot of old movies, but I did. I grew up with older parents It's common that those women came over and one of them married that man. Someone from the neighborhood who's bringing over that casserole, you're trying to lock in this eligible bachelor who was able to have a wife and provide and take care for her, but now she's gone and literally out of the picture and not by his own choice and take over. And the man who needed a woman to ground him and do every single task for him and submit to him, he needs that. He can't be alone. He can't take care of himself. He can't cook. He can't manage kids. He can't manage his feelings. He can't even get himself off. You know, like this is the this is the relationship. So Alan remarries to a woman in the neighborhood who brought potluck and brought comfort after Betty's passing. There's no justice for Betty. The only justice, really is the fact that this case is being re-talked about and hopefully every single person watching just is in disbelief at how terrible of a person Candy Montgomery is. Um, I don't really know what to say about her being a licensed teen behavioral therapist, but that is the life that she was able to live. I think it is unfortunate that... She was able to have a life for herself and come back for this, um, and Betty was not. So if you want to see a true story displayed, I definitely, definitely recommend watching Love and Death on HBO. All seven episodes are out now. Like I said, Elizabeth Olsen is in it. It's hard to watch. I don't know his name. The guy from Friday Night Lights with the blonde hair, he was also in Black Mirror. He plays Alan. Their affair is cringy. It's uncomfortable. It's a little bit insufferable. But this is how it happened. Two people who had no passion chose to have an affair with each other that ended with the demise of his wife. That that That's how it happened. It's how it's portrayed. I think they do an excellent job. If you're interested in the case, I highly recommend going a step further and even just Googling and reading the old Texas Monthly article because online is so cool that the 1969 original. Like, original publishing is is online to read. So you get two free stories on TexasMonthly.com. So you can read part one, Love and Death, The Affair. You can read part two, Love and Death in Silicon Prairie, The Killing of Betty Gore. And we can see where they get the name Love and Death for this HBO series. I mean, it was the literal title of the article back in 1969. And it's so... Accurately portrayed by both of these series. When you read the article, whether you want to read it after you watch the series or before, you will be fascinated at how everything is the same, down from the dialogue, down to conversation. Every detail, they do such an excellent job at converting to on screen. Sometimes it was a little painful watching live to like wait for the next episode. So this just goes to show, even if you know what's going to happen, I'd already seen Candy. But I was just craving to see how HBO portrayed what was going to happen. I wanted to see how Elizabeth Olsen acted out Candy. I wanted to see what they did at the end to try to give honor to Betty and to show what happened afterwards. So I highly recommend diving into this. HBO and Hulu, start with whichever one you want if you want to watch both. If you're only going to watch one, watch the one with Elizabeth Olsen on HBO because it was excellent. The cinematography was excellent. I felt like they took their time with it, and it is just as uncomfortable, cringy, and gross as it is supposed to be. And like I said, the Texas Monthly article, super informative and just crazy to read and see how... Similar it was like I mean it's just the same thing. It makes me want to go through all the Texas Monthly articles and say, "Oh wow, this case from '75." Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a movie soon. And you'll be surprised at how long these are. I don't know the purpose of Texas Monthly back in 1969. I'm not sure if it was just the same as the Plain Journal. I'm not sure if it was just used for stories. But I mean. It, it, it could have been like five pages or something. It's a long telling of what went on. Very detailed, great execution by both HBO and Hulu. I'm going to end by just quickly recapping some of the main differences off the top of my head. So Hulu came out first, I think in 2020. HBO's version came out in 2023. The T is supposedly that HBO's was in the works first, Hulu caught wind of the story and the Texas Monthly article and they started writing to try to beat HBO at putting out the series. Either way it ended up being something that I really enjoyed seeing both of their versions so I'm glad that they did it. Next thing the cast. So I love Jessica Biel. I love Elizabeth Olsen. The background characters is where I start to see differences. I like who they chose to play her attorney in HBO's version better, Don Crowder. I don't know who he is, but he is a phenomenal actor. I would love to have him on the podcast. I mean, he plays the role of an asshole so well. So outstanding job casting there. Outstanding job casting the husband in Hulu's version. I thought that was a better Pat. Um, Just in terms of I liked him more. Maybe HBO's version is more realistic to how Pat really was. Very emotionless and very, I don't know, withdrawn. But I enjoyed seeing the Pat in Hulu's version simply for Selfish reasons that he was just more enjoyable to watch, and he was a little bit better looking, in my opinion. Another main difference is the Allens. Allen and Hulu more conventionally attractive, easier to see why they had an affair. The sex was also a little bit spicier than the sex that they had in HBO's, which was God. You you almost could have had that kind of sex in church. I mean, nothing fun happening. Very like I said, surgical um Alan is not attractive um it was excruciating listening to all of their meetings and them trying to come up with their terms for the relationship, so that part was great by h b o Another main difference that you can't help but notice is candy's hair. Hulu's looks more like candy. They gave Jessica Biel a perm throughout most of the series until, in court, she got it relaxed a little and had a little bit of a bob, something more conventional to make her, you know, prettier and make her seem more feminine. Um, so HBO didn't do that. They had Elizabeth Olsen with like a, a sleek, shorter bob for most of the season, and then at the trials, they went like near the ears in terms of length. Um, I don't think it's so egregious that I didn't enjoy either, but I definitely liked on Hulu's version how it was just more true to the case. As for the rest of the differences, I think that HBO does a better job of sticking to the actual case. As I'm reading it, sure, it happens on, you know, Friday the 13th, and there is some relation to The Shining, but that's not the focus. Um... And I like that HBO didn't really include that element, whereas Hulu did, just because it distracts from the case. The case was fucked up enough to not include that. I also think that adding the detail on Hulu's version for Betty's eyes being taken out was unnecessary. Um, You know, one eye did come out when she was hitting her with the axe so many times. Um, It was like mush. But no, she didn't cut out the eyes, which is kind of the impression I had when I was watching the Hulu version. It seemed like something satanic was going on or they were trying to insinuate cult-like behavior. And maybe that was happening. You know, this is a religious town and I do see in the Texas Monthly article that they mentioned that the killing happened to occur on Friday the 13th. So maybe there was some rumors and some whispers in town, but I certainly don't think that it was the, that was the main focus of the town. Um, So I could have done without that in Hulu's. I also felt like Hulu just felt more rushed. You know, every element we didn't see as much background as I would have liked to. With HBO, I feel like every detail was painfully informative. Like, I felt like I was over And as I read the Texas Monthly, it's, you know, I'm not going to say that they get in trouble for um, plagiarizing, because I'm sure that they don't, but holy shit, I mean, it's spot on. They did a phenomenal job of just keeping things exactly how they were told initially, and that's important when you're trying to t- tell a true story. So those are some of the main differences um, I enjoyed them both. Like I said, I hope that you guys let me know if you end up watching this series. It's popped off on my TikTok. Everybody was into it. If you're new and listening to this first episode, I hope that you like the podcast. This is kind of my style. I don't have a very concrete outline. I like to talk through the show. I like to give background, talk about things as I remember them, and then seal it off with wrapping it up and just a recap. So if you love this episode, Know that I talk about more shows. I'm watching the show Saint X right now, which is also a book. So if you're a type of person who likes to read a book before you watch a show, buy yourself Saint X before you plan to watch it on Hulu. Um, I, I am enjoying it. Parts of the show infuriate me, but I'm gonna be doing more TV show recaps. I also just had a finale of one of my favorite shows on television right now, Yellow Jackets, and I'm gonna do an episode about that, about lingering questions I still have. So if you're not into reality, still follow my podcast on Spotify because there will be something for you eventually. And you can get a notification to your phone, look at the title of the episode, see if it's for you, and who knows, maybe you'll listen to a reality episode and I'll convince you of a new show that you find out you love. I love each and every one of you for listening. I'm gonna put out another episode later this week, Diving into reality, we have the Vanderpump Rules Part 2 reunion this week. Part 1 hit, but it didn't hit enough. Raquel wasn't there. The live version was really lacking in terms of the conversations felt snippeted. I personally just wish that things were back to how reality used to do, like Big Brother, um, where we could just hop online and watch inside that house at all times I want to see all of this reunion I don't care if someone has to get up and pee and they pause for five minutes I want to hear mic'd up what everyone's saying to each other I would have loved a more all-access Vanderpump Rules reunion I wouldn't even care if we had to pay for a subscription to Bravo in order to see that Fuck it. And you know what? If somebody's listening to this and you work for Bravo, hire me because why aren't you guys doing this? We should be seeing an all access reunion for a fee. I don't care. I wanted to hear every detail and I just didn't feel like I got that. I'm hoping part two really brings it, but I'm frustrated right now. I'm frustrated with the fact that we've seen so many podcast episodes, I'm frustrated with the cast talking about it into the ground on their social media platforms. I just want to get to the meat so that we know what they know or don't want to hear about it anymore. It's kind of like if a friend has done something that you haven't and they just keep telling you about it over and over. Eventually, bro, if I haven't experienced it, I don't want to hear about it. And that's how I feel about Vanderpump. If any of you relate to that, let me know. I also want to let you guys know that for the reunion. I got Ariana's Fancy AF Cocktails book. Last week it was on sale, 48% off on Amazon. <sighs> if you guys want to have a yummy drink, sure, Tom's Nasty Face is in a lot of this book, but the drinks are fire. I was really enjoying going through all of them. I'm gonna make a special drink for tomorrow night's episode. So far, I've made it Ariana's Cosmopolitan. It was superb. I made it just as she said to. And my boyfriend made it kind of like not and didn't follow instructions. And his was bitter, too much vodka. Mine was perfect. It was kind of like the episode, if you remember that. Love you all. Can't wait for this week's future episode. Can't wait to keep up with you all. On next week's episode, I'm gonna give you guys a little bit of scoop into my life and what I've been up to so that I feel like we can connect on other levels. Wishing you all a great week. And like I said, leave me a review.